Hello and welcome to the Nerdic Podcast, hosted by me, Emma Chittenden. I'm the founder and nerd in charge of Angels Playing Skittles and the Female Founder Toolkit. Each week, I'll be talking all things tech in a language that's a little more normal than nerdic. I am prone to dropping the odd frick bomb and maybe the occasional sugar. So if you've got little people around, you might want to cover their ears or listen to the podcast with your headphones in. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the first Nerdic podcast. I can't tell you how excited I am to finally be putting this together. The idea for this podcast originally came from talking with my work wife, Daphne. Hi, Daphne. I was grumbling about how um, there are an awful lot of podcasts about running businesses, you know, the ones that have marketing, social media, SEO, how to build lists, etc, etc. But nobody's really talking about tech in an audience that aren't the industry. And there certainly doesn't appear to be an awful lot of women out there that are talking about tech to people who don't work in tech. So she said, well, you should make one then. And at the time I was like, yeah, okay, maybe. Um, But I didn't think anybody would really listen to it. Um, But several of you lovely ladies that I met at Lara Sheldrake's Hugs and Brunch, um, she's the founder of um, Found and Flourish, said that they're super excited for it because I've been talking about it quite a lot on social media. Well, Instagram, anyway. Um, So I thought, okay, well, maybe they do. And this kind of makes me super happy, but you know, again, why has nobody else done this before? And also a little bit, does anybody really seriously want to hear about tech? Okay, well, I can talk about tech. I can get really excited about tech. Um, I also digress an awful lot. Um, You're going to notice that as we go through this. Um, So the first episode, I'm flying solo, as I will for many of the episodes. That's in part because I had the idea for this months ago. Um, I had the name for it not that many months ago. Um, and then I kind of had life get in the way and, you know, what, you know, life happens sort of thing. Um, and I just didn't quite get around to it, but when I finally got the idea in my head that I was going to go for it and then I started talking about it and everybody started getting really excited about it. Um, I thought I'm going to start recording it. So I have asked friends and colleagues, all women so far, who work in the web and tech industry um, if they'll join me for some of the episodes, and they've said yes. But it all kind of leads me on to today's topic, which is kind of handy. And today's topic, I'm going to be talking about start before you're ready, which is intentional and ironic. So I want to say hi, I'm Emma, and I'm a perfectionist. My perfectionism in the past has led me to do one of two things overthink things and spend way too long working on them before I get them out there, which either leads me to not put them out there or they fall flat on their faces and I've wasted time, money, and I get really, really depressed. So I'm trying to be a recovering perfectionist, which is harder than you might think. Um, So in prepping this podcast, um, what I could have done was get a ton of recordings already in the can, Um, see look I'm getting in with the jargon there 
planning everything down to the minutiae, waiting until I could afford to hire a recording studio and then getting someone to help me edit it or I could just go with what I like to call the Blue Peter approach. I.e. making, you know, one of those crystal, crystal? Christmas candle crowns out of coat hangers and tinsel. Side note, does anyone think about how flammable those actually were when we were a kid? Because, you know, there weren't really that many safety controls on tinsels and they must have gone up like, I don't know, a Roman candle. Anyway, I'm sorry, digressing again. Um, I'm going to embrace the concept with this podcast of starting before I'm ready. And I'd like to say I'm winging it, but I did actually write a ton of notes that I am sort of reading off of and going off the script slightly. Um, but I did sit down and plan it and I've spent the last two weeks thinking about what I was going to talk about in the first episode and then thinking about how I could talk about it and trying to put it all together in my head, um, which is how I process things. Um, But naturally, because I know my way around technology, um, I think that I'm going to admit up front that there are four aspects of tech that I know little about. Um, and I don't really have an awful lot of patience to learn them when it comes around to it because there's an awful lot. There's only so much jargon one person can learn before you just your head's going to explode. Um, but those four aspects are coding. I don't code. Using any kind of design package. Don't get me started on Adobe. I could just I, that's a whole episode in its own. Audio and video. Um, I think possibly because I work in web and tech and I don't work in video editing. I don't you know I'm not that exposed to that kind of side of things doesn't mean I can't work it out I can't find my way around it but I just see an application with lots of acronyms lots of settings lots of things to fiddle with and I'm like oh god I can break this so easily it's just so much to learn why am I doing this and I give up so those are my four Achilles heels um which makes me sound like a four-legged person that would be my dog um but it I'm not. So anyway, if the sound's awful, then sorry. Um, blame me trying to work this out as I go along. And also blame me for the fact that I'm recording in my office at home. One of my neighbours is doing the building project that seems to be going on forever and is finally decided to put a roof on and is hammering. And as is usual, throughout the summer, they're normally cutting grass or out with a strimmer somewhere down in the valley. So there's bound to be noise etc but I am going to do my level best to make sure that there is an awful lot of noise um so I'm going to explain what I mean by start before you're ready before I go on um it comes under many different names and concepts um including some several very beautifully crafted crafted Instagram memes start before you're ready done is better than perfect five second rule or my favorite MVP that stands for minimal viable product now as this is the nerdic podcast which by the way I have butchered that term about six or seven times before I started recording this and I don't know how many takes I've done so far but anyway um, I'm going to talk about all things tech so I'm going to take you through the concept of MVP because that is closest to the tech that I understand now for those of you who've read Eric Reese's book The Lean Startup you'll know what an MVP is and the process that goes behind it. For those of you who haven't read it, don't worry, I've got you covered. I'm going to give you a really short sum, sum, synopsis. You're going to notice I trip over my words quite a lot, but you, I just do. Anyway, an MVP is a minimum viable product. Um, is where you look at the bare minimums you need to get a product to market and you don't put any bells and whistles on it. You just 
get something together, you put it out there. Now, as anyone outside the design and tech industry struggles with the concept of what a product may be, and to be honest with you, some people in it do too, a product is a thing. It can be a toothbrush, it could be the latest iPhone app, it could be a website, it could be a government service, a car. It's just about anything that you are creating and you want people to use. Now, as it's a bit confusing, I'm going to use the term MVT, which stands for Minimum Viable Thing. It's a lot more easy to understand and it's a pretty universal concept because a thing is a thing. You know, it's the lowest common denominator. So the idea behind an MVT is that you build it, you launch it, and as soon as you launched it, you test it. It's You get it out there as fast as you possibly can. It's almost like saying that you are going to build a house and what's a minimum viable house that you could put together well that would be one that has a roof unlike my neighbors who haven't had a roof most of the summer and it's been kind of wet uh, windows because you need it to be um, airtight and obviously a door because you don't want people to be wandering in it needs to have walls even if it's just a one-room house um, and it needs to have flooring in there and that's about it that is you know minimum viable house essentially you can decorate it but it's not necessary for the house to exist you could put electricity into it again it's not necessary so what is the minimum viable thing that you can get out there and once you've got it out there you can then test it so the theory that you get it out there fast is because it allows you to fail fast and fail often which is a really scary concept for a lot of people um and you know, failure is a pretty scary thing for me. I have spent the last eight months failing at trying to launch a business um, because in the last eight months I had precisely £50 in sales, which is really not an awful lot of money, as you can imagine. Now, I have learned an awful lot um, about what I'm trying to build and how I'm trying to build it. And I have tried wherever possible to fail fast um, and fail often. Sometimes the failures are easier to take, um, like not getting engagement on an Instagram post because I didn't quite get it right, um, or spelling mistakes, as I've just been finding in the last couple of days, there's been some spelling mistakes on my site that I hadn't noticed. Um, it's little things like that that I've failed at that don't bother me so much. It's the bigger failures around building a product that nobody buys that is slightly harder to deal with. Um, and also because I've just been having a rough year. Um, surprise surgery at the start of the year. Not great, really, when you're trying to build a business. So as failure is a scary thing, um, I thought I would start my podcast with talking about failure, which is essentially what MVPs can give you a sense of but also to talk about the fear that's associated with it and how the fear of failure can hold you back, which is kind of where the concept of start before you're ready comes from and done is better than perfect and five second rule. You get the idea. So I am genuinely hoping that this podcast doesn't fail. Um, I'd love you to uh, rate it and review it and yell about it to everybody who's listening. If it is amazing, if it's not, please don't, you know, we'll just bury it and forget about it um but if you could please and thank you i'm sticking this in the middle because you know why not um now oddly when it comes to creating things i am very much used to test learn fail fix repeat it's really how i've worked um 
I started my career doing tech support, which is all about failure because something's failed and I'm the one that's got to fix it. So I'm doing that in reverse order in that something's failed. I'm learning what's caused it to fail. I'm fixing it and learning from the process and then trying to stop it from happening in the future. But I'm very, very good at the, the learning when things fail. Now, you see it less of failure and more of a case of getting to know what's what you're creating in a more intimate way or you get to sense of that's not working I'm going to change it you're constantly learning and you're constantly evolving I mean you wouldn't have gotten to being an adult if you hadn't have failed at a fair few things like walking because I mean I'm sure when you started to learn to walk you bumped into things but that didn't put you off the effort of learning to walk well I hope it didn't might scare your parents but you know um especially for me because I'm very accident prone I trip over my feet um but this is the thing about minimum viable things you are building testing and learning as you're going along so starting before you're ready shouldn't really be that bigger concept and it's also not even coincidentally the name of one of the toolkits that I'm building for the female founder toolkit more about that later um, but it's part of why I wanted to talk about it. Now, when you walk around the startup and entrepreneur community, you'll find that there are a lot of people out there that will talk about validation and validating an idea before you build it. And I'm just going to take a small moment to insert what is likely to become my weekly rant about something to talk about validation because it drives me insane. Um, validating is both right and wrong at the same time, but mostly wrong. Um, I'm going to warn you, and I've just kind of have, that the term validation and validating an idea is something I really want people to drop. I don't want it to be used. There are very few things out there that I get very passionate about not wanting somebody to do. And for the most part, I am very much a believer of just get on with it and learn from your own mistakes. But in this instance, I have seen firsthand what happens with the concept of validation. So let me explain it. I'm going to break it down for you. There's no opposite of validating. Validating assumes a positive outcome. So when you say you're going to validate an idea, the assumption already exists in your mind that you know that it's going to be accepted by your audience, that it's just a tick box exercise, which unless you've been doing research and testing for your whole career, you have bupkis idea whether it will or not validate. Now, I have, and I have normally got a really good sixth sense now for what is and isn't going to work when it comes to something technical like when a new product comes on the market that looks like it's going to do well I can I don't know why but I can usually tell if it's going to be a success like I knew Instagram was going to be a hit before it even became a big hit same with Pinterest there are a few products out there that you can get a sense of but unless you've been doing it for a long time you really don't have that sixth sense so for someone who's never validated or tested anything in their life, they don't know their audience and going in with an assumption that you're going to get everyone to love an idea, finding out then that it's not validated, it's a seriously hard lesson to learn. And it's also quite upsetting to watch from the sidelines for somebody that is experienced in doing testing and researching. Um, now, I've been in a few Facebook groups from some courses that I've done, and because I've been building courses, I'm in some other groups as well, and a lot of the platforms out there will say, go out and validate your idea. 
And then you see on the flip side what happens in the Facebook groups when people start talking about it, saying, I validated my idea and nobody likes it. And then just seeing them get so upset and then abandoning their dreams and walking away. And this is probably happening more than we care to think about. And it's one of those things that people might put people off wanting to go out and build something for themselves because they, they've either seen something fail or that they're worried about validating their idea and it becomes quite daunting. So this is a tough love lesson that comes free with the podcast, by the way, me saying this, but I think you need to drop the any idea of validating an idea, which sounds weird, but bear with me. If you switch your mindset to that of testing an idea, however, you are, it's a very small, very subtle, very simple shift in your mindset. Because when you go to test something, you're going in with an open mind. So that's the difference between an open and a closed question, by the way, is when you open your mind up to something like this, then you're more likely to listen to the possibilities that are going to come out at the end of it. So it becomes a dialogue, it becomes a conversation, it becomes asking questions and seeking answers. It doesn't go in with the, I've got this great idea and you're just telling me it's so it's going to work. Because ultimately, if that's the only way that you're going to go in with it, you may come back and they may say, yeah, that's a great idea. But at the end of it, one, you don't know if they're telling you what you want to hear. And two, you don't know why it's going to work. So when you do hit your first failure, and you will hit failures, you aren't really going to be prepared for how to manage that. So testing ideas can be pretty hard. Um, but it can also be broken down into a way that's quite simple. So having a minimum viable thing, I'm doing a circuit here, you know, there, is, there is method to my madness, but if you've got an MVT, then you've got something that you can have a conversation with somebody about. So instead of validating an idea, if you're testing your minimum viable thing, then you're going to get something that's a little bit more interesting in, in the results that you get back. So I'm talking about MVT in the sense of building your web presence in this instance. I mean, it can be if you are making a product like a candle holder, to go back to my Blue Peter example earlier, um, and you've designed something that's beautiful, it's revolutionary because it doesn't allow wax to drip onto the counter and perhaps it takes the wax and recycles it back and gives you another candle at the end of it. It's a, it's a revolutionary idea, but and it's brilliant, and you think it's genius, but we've also got electricity. So people aren't really gonna use candles that much, and they're gonna be decorative. Are people gonna buy it? So you wanna put it into a real world situation where you take this product that you've designed. It doesn't have to look entirely sexy. It can just be practical, and it does the job. You're testing the concept on whether people are actually going to use it. So the insight that you'll get back from testing and learning as you're going along like that is something that you can then build off of. Whereas if you went and said, I'm going to validate this candlestick works. Well, you know, candles have been around for a long time. Candle holders have been around for a long time. They do work. But as I said, we have electricity. So you're validating an idea that it works. But in reality, are people going to buy it? And that's something you also get out of testing it. Now, going back to my world example, which is websites and tech, and I need to apologise 
briefly here for a second because the lawnmowers are back at it. So if there's a bit of noise in the background, again, I'm sorry. Um, websites. I've said it three times now. <laughs> Can I get to the point in a moment? <laughs> I've spoken to a lot of women recently um, who are at the fear paralysis stage of building their business. Now, I suffer from fear paralysis. In fact, I'm having PR fear paralysis that I am stuck not doing very well at finding people to promote this business with because I don't know who to talk to. I don't know how to easily find somebody and then I worry about what I'm pitching and, and then I'm just panicking. So my MVT for my PR is this. You're listening to it. Um, this is completely in my control. I don't have to rely on being rejected by anybody not replying to my emails. This is my MVT and my way of starting to deal with my fear paralysis. But fear paralysis for me is that kind of thing where something, an invisible force is stopping you from moving forward and you're frightened and you don't know what is causing you from it because logically you can get all of this shit together and you know what you're doing and you, you're an amazing person that you can get this out there, but something's stopping you. So that's free fear paralysis. Now, the things that I've spoken with them about are that they've said, well, I'm going to launch a website next year because I, I'm not going to have the content till then. Or I'm not going to have an email. I'm not going to send an email newsletter until next year. So I'm not going to gather any email addresses until then. The thing is, you start before you're ready. So with the email newsletter, by the way, if you even if you're not going to send out an email newsletter to anybody for six months, don't put off collecting those email addresses. You could have collected 100 email addresses in the time that it takes you to put out your first email newsletter. All you have to do is set the expectation when you're going in there. So you could say, look, I'm gathering people's email addresses. I'm going to be sending an email newsletter at some point in the future but I'm just not gonna be sending it right now. So you've set an expectation, you're still gathering those email addresses. You are not going to be annoying anybody on that subscription list because you're not sending them anything to annoy. So that's how you start before you're ready with an email newsletter. By the way, building email newsletter lists, really hard. Eight months in, I've got 80 people on my list and I managed to lose three people in last week's email newsletter. Lesson learned on that, the subject line was terrible. Don't use it ever again. See what I mean? Test and learn. Now. And the thing is, is that if you use this as an excuse of like waiting till you've got all of that stuff and that content before you launch it, it becomes a harder thing to build. Your mountain that you're facing has gone from a tiny little speed bump in the middle of the road to the Matterhorn. And you probably don't have the climbing equipment to get up to the top of the Matterhorn or the skills or the experience. But if you see it as a little speed bump, and you just kind of gently roll over it at 20 miles an hour, not 40, which doesn't really do an awful lot for your suspension on your car. But if you gradually move your way over it and just gently take your one step over the other, then you're going to be able to build it up. Now, as I said, I'm equally as guilty as getting stuck in fear paralysis. And I do try to find ways of breaking it down so I can make it more manageable. Now, the getting stuck in this situation can be a little bit more challenging if you've never ever done the thing that is you need to do and websites can look like the Matterhorn they really really can and I'm not going to lie about that and to be fair as an industry we've done a very good job at making things look so bloody difficult complicated confusing you know a complete barrier it, it's like you're looking at the gates of Mordor that you can't get in when in reality it's more like a little mouse hole that you can you get the idea it's manageable so 
let's think of it this way. A website is a way for someone to consume content or to buy something. First and foremost, it's content. It's words on a page, images on an app, or a video on a screen. That's content, that's all it is. Now, the lowest possible denominator when it comes to a website is just words and images. And content management systems, by the way, you hear people talking about web platforms, their real name is content management systems and we abbreviate it to CMS. And I'm gonna use that term because it's much easier and it trips off the tongue slightly better than web website platforms. As you can see, I've just butchered it. Um, but CMS were designed so that people didn't have to write code for every single page they wanted to build. They were built as a way to create something once and use it many times. And that's what CMS does or should do in the best possible way is create once, use many. Um, it's a time-saving exercise. It's, it's the thing for the ultimate lazy person that's out there is that you just put it in and then you publish it and then you can just send people to it. So you don't need to keep saying the same thing over and over again. Now, if you're sitting down to write content for a website in an app, like notes, which is what I wrote the notes for this episode on, um, or in docs or Word, why are you going to sit on it? That's that's gold, okay? That's that's you know the rarest possible minerals on the planet. That's the thing that's going to sell your business. Now, you've probably heard it said before, and I'm going to keep banging on it because it's a really great euphemism. People are not buying what you do. They're not buying what you sell they're buying who you are and this is especially true when it comes to the service-based industry that the easiest way that you're going to get that ball rolling is to get that personality out of your fingertips and out of your skin and your brain and onto a website because that's the way you're going to reach the masses now there's a misconception that you need a ton of pages that look like you've created the digital version of the Sistine Chapel and you really really don't you could easily get away with a very simple site that has two pages. That site's called a blog. Now, those two pages are a landing page, which also doubles as your archive, and the posts themselves. You need nothing more than that if you're starting out. Now, that's not hard to create, and I'm just gonna take you through that process now. Now, what you want when it comes to a page with content on it is you. You just need to be writing things on there and you want those pages so that you can share. You've got a link that you can then share with people so you don't have to keep saying the things over and over again. As I said, it's the ultimate lazy tool. And, you know, you want those things so you can just share them in a way that you don't have to say them half a dozen times. And I've just repeated myself just to prove the point. Now, saying angels playing skittles.com to people trust me, it's a lot easier than constantly having to describe what it is that I do because I struggle with that. Getting it down to a one-liner is kind of hard because I all I'm really doing is teaching you what all the jargon is and how it all fits together. That's really what it comes down to. It's just not easy to say it in a simple sentence. Now, as part of the toolkit that I'm building, I am going to be building the five day start before you're ready challenge, which I think is genius. Um, and it's going to challenge you each day, obviously for five days, because it's a five day starter kit, um, how to do all the things to get yourself going. Now, until it launches, um, I'm going to talk about the top 
thing that you can do that you can start today, which I've already just spoken about, writing content. Now, for as long as I can remember, I've wanted to be an author. And somebody said to me, you need to write every day if you want to be a good author. And that put me off being an author, believe it or not. Because I'm like, I'm going to have to sit down with a notebook, probably a moleskin and a nice pen. I'm going to have to look wistful in the coffee shop and find an hour. I might even have to get up at five o'clock in the morning so I can find an hour that I can sit and I can write content. This is really, really kind of hard work. And I don't really think I've got the time or commitment to, to spend on that. You know, it's just too much. And then a couple of months ago, I realised, duh, I write every day. Like, I'm sat here reading you this that I typed in an hour this morning, mainly so I don't go off the reservation as much as I have done, and rant, which I'm prone to doing, but you notice I do. So anyway, but I write every day. I genuinely write every day, and I love writing. I really, really do. It's just that I always had it in my head that I was going to be a fiction writer, um, and that I had to fill this kind of role. I had to be this kind of stereotype that was getting up at five o'clock in the morning with a moleskin book, a pen, a coffee, looking wistful and writing. And that's not who I am. Um, but I can sit here and write nonfiction every day. I can talk about tech. There are lots of things that I can talk about and articulate really well. And I have my own blog that I can do that on. Um, so thinking about what it is to be somebody who builds a website You've probably built up that picture much similar to the way that I've built up the picture of what an author might need to look like. And that's not what it is. It really isn't. So first of all, we're going to take the metaphorical imaginary pin and we're going to pop it in that nice big overinflated balloon. And when it pops, lots of glitter is going to come out and it's going to drive you insane. But it's going to be sparkly and shiny and nice because it's going to surprise you how easy this is going to be. So... When you're doing anything new, you have no experience of it. And that means you don't have a muscle memory for it. You have to build up that muscle memory over time. And breaking down tasks into things that look a little bit easier, we'll go back to my speed bump rather than my mountain climbing exercise, is much easier to cope with. That you look at the thing that you are trying to build and you break it down into such a way that you can go, well, I know how to do that, that and that. So I'm going to focus on the bits that I find are going to energise me. And I'm going to do some of those each day because I think that will help me to get to the point where I've got, you know, all of that under control. Now, let's face it. You wouldn't expect a brain surgeon to turn up for the first day of work and say, I'm new to this, but don't worry. I've played Operation a couple of times when I was 10. I've got this covered. So you can't expect to turn up to build your website on the first day and expect to know everything. Even I didn't. I think. Well, that's a whole other conversation. I'm very good at talking my way into things with not knowing an awful lot of information, but I do know an awful lot of information about a lot of other things. So anyway, the same thing here is that you've been writing since you learned how to write. So you can write content. Let's put that one out of the way. That's all it is. It's just writing. Now, the content that you're going to put out there, the very first time you put something out there is going to be shit. So get over it. Honestly, build a bridge, get over it. It's fine. Now, put that out of your mind. And then what I want you to do is just sit down and write something, anything about what you want to be doing. Talk about how you came up with the idea. Talk about the feeling that it gave you when it came up with it. Talk about how it's going to change your life. Or 
don't talk about the product talk about a subject matter that you are incredibly passionate about it doesn't have to be related to your business idea but it does have to be something that you're quite passionate about so you just need to sit down and start talking about that now writing is just talking on paper or screen in this case so the idea around the kinds of content that you're going to be creating is just explaining something or getting passionate about something or getting excited about something you know when you've had a really great announcement you wanted to share with people have you got really kind of felt super excited inside and you really wanted to share it with everybody and you get really really kind of bubbly about how you talk about it that's what you should be writing so you can sit down and write that out now your audience is going to be your mum your partner your daughter your best friend your boss that told you you'd never amount to anything it can't it can be anybody you want it to be that you know you doesn't have to be that friend that you have yet to make an acquaintance of so think about that think about something you want to talk about really passionately and sit down and write it to somebody you know you can even start by saying dear friend dear mum dear dad dear boyfriend dear girlfriend this is what I'm thinking about this is why I'm thinking about it this is what it means to me this is why I'm so excited about it and start writing in that way now I know that the art of writing letters has gone out of fashion, but I can tell you how much I miss getting handwritten letters or even emails from friends when we just shoot the breeze about life. So why not sit down and think of it as writing that letter to somebody? For those of you that are a little bit younger than me, I'm clearly feeling my age, um, just think about them as, you know, text messages that are multiple text messages that that's kind of what a handwritten letter looks like i am being sarcastic and slightly jesting you know exactly what i mean but anyway that's a blog that's that's all a blog is is sitting down and writing things that you're passionate about um it's like writing letters to friends you haven't yet met it's sharing your story it's sharing your views it's sharing your passions and and that's what it is now if you feel like you're talking to yourself and you're feeling a little bit nervous or uncomfortable about that, then I've got a challenge or two for you. Go and write your letter and put it on Instagram. You can take a screenshot of it and you can put it on Instagram and say, this is my letter about my thing that I'm writing. Or if you're a little nervous still and don't want to put it out there in the public space, you can send it to me. Um, you can go to angelsplainskittles.com slash contact. There's a link in the footer and you can fill out the form and you can send it to me and I will listen to you but you can write something that's the first thing that you should do and if you do nothing else for the next six months just sit down and write something every day would be good um, even if it's one paragraph about an idea that you want to develop at a later stage just get some thoughts down and save them and you can start using them as soon as you're comfortable but I'm going to take a pause for just a second and say that the Nerdic podcast is about things web and tech. But for the last few minutes, I haven't uttered a word of jargon too much. Um, but I haven't told you that you need a landing page with a header and a navigation. I haven't told you that you need to make sure that you need to have the right keywords and optimise for SEO. I haven't told you that you need products and service descriptions of a certain length and you need product shot, caption shots and you need archives. Do you see what I mean? I've taken all of that jargon out of it and nerdic out of it because 
Overwhelming you with the Nerdic at the earliest possible way is for me to trigger your fear paralysis. And that's what I'm trying to do away with, is I'm trying to help you to build something, hopefully digital, but you can use this in any practical sense, um, in a way that is less fearful. So that's what I'm trying to do with the Nerdic podcast, is show you a different view. Instead of standing at that the bottom of that mountain and staring up at it and thinking I don't have the equipment or skills or determination to climb that mountain, I'm going to show you another way. I'm going to show you that nice leafy lined street, the cars parked along the road with a nice little speed bump and, you know, the sound of planes going overhead. You're somewhere in like a London borough, very nice brick buildings. But you get the point. I'm going to take you on that journey and it's going to be easier to walk over the speed bumps especially if you've got a nutter to walk with you along the way that nutter being me by the way um but the first little bump you get over is your blog post now if you're ready to share it with the world and you don't you know don't want to share it via instagram or you don't want to send it to me then create a blog if you're not even going to launch your blog for your your business for the next six to twelve months and you feel like you don't have a body of content ready to go then start with the blog. Now, there's two products you can use. Uh, one is called Blogger, which is who are owned by Google, and interesting factoid, that's how I built my first website 20 years ago. Um, I don't have a Blogger account anymore, but I started off with Blogger and I started just blogging and started writing that way. The other option you've got is WordPress, um, and both of those are completely free. You can, well, you can get versions of free, free versions of WordPress. Um, you can create an account with them on either one of their websites and you can build a very simple blog and you can just practice that. You don't even have to tell anybody that it exists, but you are building that muscle memory. You are, you know, maybe lifting weights in your mind. You are breaking down those barriers, but you are walking over those speed bumps, one speed bump at a time. It's also a bit like a, a training exercise for you because it starts to take you into the world of building websites without you know, the really steep mountainous kind of slightly scary aspect of it. The other thing is that aside from the Squarespace snafu that if you follow me on social media, you'll know that I was ranting about at the back end of last week that you can't currently import anything into their new platform. Um, but Blogger or WordPress, you can export all of your data. So when you do come to wanting to build a website that is bigger, sexier, prettier, a lot more substantial you've got 20 or 30 posts that's 20 or 30 pages worth of content that you can start sharing with people now hopefully along the way of building those pages you've started to talk about what it is that you want to do why you're doing it who you are and those then get turned into pages on your main website that are your about section so you are building your website as you go along without building your website which is very sneaky of me now I really do recommend you go with this approach because it's easy to do and it's free and you've lost nothing and you're not failing at anything if you do that because you are just walking over things one step in front of the other and getting there in a slightly slower way but it's a very low risk approach. Now these systems are designed for beginners um, although I say that my site Angels Playing Skittles is actually built on WordPress although it's an installed version on a hosting platform rather than via their website, but it's exactly the same platform that you would use if you were gonna blog using their free version. Now, 
starting with content is the easy bit and the bigger bits and harder bits do come next. Um, but that's where signing up for the female founder toolkit comes in handy. Side note here, winking doesn't have the same effect as if you are saying, doing it in person, recording it on a park. You can't see me winking. I was winking. I'm just going to throw that in there. I'm going to have to do this more, aren't I? See, muscle memory, which brings me very nicely back to how I got started um, with my own start before I'm ready. Let me share with you a little story of the test and learn of the last eight months, aka failed as fuck, as I like to call it. Now, I spent the first half of this year knowing I wanted to launch an online course and knew what I wanted to launch. It took me pretty much all of last year to think of what I wanted to teach and uh, done, I think, a reasonable amount of research around the idea and felt that it would work. Now, there is no such thing as too much research, I guess. Um, but I clearly didn't test it as well as I thought I had. So I thought it would work. It didn't. Now, the way that I put it together was relatively low risk, but um, how it performed really upset me. And it probably shouldn't have done, but it did. So I put together my MVT, which was, I'd written the outline for the for the course that I wanted to teach it was an outline literally of these were the different sections I wanted to include this is what I wanted to talk about um and I built it in a platform without putting the content into it because I thought well if I put it out there like this and see what the interest was with it then I'd get a sense of whether or not anybody wanted to buy it and there was no interest not one person signed up for it in fact not one person has signed up for the toolkit so far lots of people say that they're interested in it but nobody's signed up for it so I'm still in that slightly risky zone there now as I said I took the failure to heart more than I probably should have done and in part I think that was because because of everything that's happened so far this year in that I've had ill health and I've tried to work through the ill health and I shouldn't have done, but I couldn't afford not to, but I'm not earning any money. And this is a very vicious cycle. So I think that is the thing that I've struggled with. I haven't let my body heal, heal and I haven't taken the time that I needed to take because I felt like I had to keep going, but keeping going and not having anything coming in you see where I'm going it just goes around and around in circles and it really really gets me now I have struggled with this a lot and in part the reason why I'm sharing this with you in terms of the my minimum viable thing and my test and learn is because I talk about test and learn and then learning from those mistakes and then what you can do with them but I'm not talking per se about how I learn or what it is that's failed why it's failed and how I'm learning for it from it and that's something that I want to share with you more because it's often kept much of a secret that you hear about these failures a long time after they've happened when the successes come and I've had no real successes I'm not earning any money from this business and I really really need to earn money from this business and I don't want to wait for six months down the line when everything's shiny and perfect or I'm bankrupt to start talking about it I think it's healthy for female founders to talk more about what they're dealing with and also to talk about how I'm trying to learn from 
the mistakes that I've made to build something better out of it. And part of the the learnings that I've gotten from doing this process is definitely more engagement, um, which is incredibly hard because I live in a village in Wiltshire and my neighbours aren't really that tech savvy and you know the, the only people I tend to have a conversation with are fellow dog walkers and they're normally elderly gentlemen um, that are out walking their little dogs they're very cute dogs and they like my dog very much um, who's completely insane by the way but I'm not in the London community or I'm not in a city community where there are a lot of founders and a lot of people doing this kind of thing therefore I don't really have that community where I can have that engagement with them so much so I am trying as much as possible to engage with people via Instagram um, because I'm starting to pick up engagement via that route and um, talk more with people and help more people because I'm learning the things that I could be doing by helping other people. That's how I work. So those are the, the kinds of failures that I've been having and that's what I've been learning from it. Now, the first lot of female founder toolkits that I'm going to be putting out there are going to be fully embracing the, the concept of MVT. I could build the toolkit with the vision that I've got, which would something be something that's very glossy, very interactive, lots of high production value videos. But if I did that, I'd need a lot of investment, a lot of time and a lot more help than I've currently got. Right now, I have no money and myself and my ability to build these things. So the first toolkits I'm going to be putting out are really, really low tech. They're going to be content and probably recorded um, audio of the content so you can listen to it as you go along and not so many videos because, as I said, I struggle with the production of them. So I think the way that it will work is, I'm going to say I think, I know the way it's going to work. I'm going to be recruiting some beta testers in the next 10 days and I'm going to be offering full lifetime access to the entire toolkit for a very, very low price. And what those beta testers will get is every time a new tool is added to the, the overall toolkit, they'll get access to it. They'll also get access to the warts and all process that I'm using to build the thing, but they will get on the ground access and they'll get lifetime access. So they're going to get basically something for nothing, essentially. And I'm going to get an awful lot out of it because I'm going to be helping people and in two ways with the toolkit itself and also showing the experience that I'm having while I'm building it. This is something that you wouldn't get access to this kind of thing unless you work in a tech environment, by the way, because that's partly what you do as your job. You are building, testing and learning as you're going along. So this is just, you know, something that I think is unbelievably revolutionary to be doing something like this. And it's really low tech because you're getting to see the scribbled notes in the margin and the workings out and the crossings out and, you know, you are getting something that's quite warm and being part of that process. So I think that my learning out of that is, and this is something that I struggle with because I've done, I've done several creative writing courses. As I said, I wanted to be a novelist. I'm not going to be a novelist at any time soon, but the thing that they always talk about is show, don't tell. And it's taken me years to understand what that means. It's harder than you think. Well, it is for me. But I'm getting that sense of showing people how I do things as I'm doing them 
you're more likely to learn than me to sit down and say this, this and this, and this is what you'll get out of the end of it. Unless you can see that is really what you're going to get out of the end of it. Um, so there's going to be a lot more showing and less telling, um, although that's exactly what a podcast is, it's telling you things. But that's my process is showing the inner workings as I go along and showing you what things mean. So if you want to be a beta tester and, and there aren't going to be that many slots available, you're going to need to go and sign up for my newsletter and you're going to need to sign up for my newsletter in the next few days. This is not evergreen content. I realise that. Um, but if you sign up for the newsletter, then you are going to get full access to the opportunity to be a beta tester because I'm going to be sending out information um, in the next 10 days about that. Now, I think I'm going to have to start making my mantra and my strap line build test and learn because that's what I'm doing now on that note I'm going to wrap up this first podcast um I've waffled a lot hopefully you've got something out of it um because I need to go build test and learn this week's newsletter and do a load of life admin and you know all those kinds of things now hopefully you're going to subscribe which is awesome because you might catch it catch the email newsletter next week because you will have missed this week's one um and I'm going to leave it there the Nerdy Podcast is sponsored by... Oh, hang on. Is it sponsored if I'm going to mention my own business? I mean, technically it's paid for, but it's costing me nothing. And it's not earning me anything in sponsorship money. So is it sponsored? This is like a tree falling in the woods. If there's nobody around to hear it, does it really make a sound? Well, anyway, this is the sound of me doing calculations and coming up with nothing in my head. So I'm going to say the Female Founder Toolkit, providing female founders with all the essential and practical technical skills to help them build their online businesses in a way that's more normal than nerding. Find out more at www.femalefoundertoolkit.com. And finally, the Nerdic podcast is produced by me, Emma Chittenden, with stupidly low production values, bad sound recording and questionable editing. Join me next week where I'll be covering another amazing topic with slightly better production values than this week. Build, test and learn.